0: No one ever tells you when you sit down here at the, at the altar, you're going to come forward and accept Christ, we're going to kneel down with you, and nobody goes, now you understand when you do this, that life is going to get really hard. No, we, we, we tell you, and yes, Christ is awesome, and I'm not, we'll, we'll get to that, but so many times we don't necessarily realize that we chose to, to have a, to live some of a different life. We chose you know what? Some of you probably accepted Christ, and one of your coworkers, and maybe somebody at your, in your family made fun of you. They thought it was hilarious. Ah, oh, You accepted Jesus, you're religious now, and you get ridiculed and you get made fun of, and you get all these things, and we choose to accept Christ. How many of you have ever chose to do something in life outside of church? I'm going to start a business, I'm going to go a new venture in my life, and I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that, and you're pumped up and you're excited, and there's got to be somebody that's going to pour pour the cold water on you, that's got to remind you that you can't do the thing that you thought you were going to do. Anybody else been there? I've been there. But when we choose to do something so many times in our lives, all of a sudden, everything just kind of crumbles in on us. And this morning we're going to talk about a number of different things, but before we get too far into this, I'm going to, in Romans, or in Romans, I'm, my Bible is open to Romans and I'm, I keep going back to that. But in Philippians 3, in the passage of scripture that we're talking about here, when it's this, this scripture here in verse number 7 in, through 14 is where we'll be today, but it's talking about, it, it, in the Christian world and, and some of these different things, a big word called Justification. In sanctification, you're like, what? Those are big words. But we're going to talk a little bit. I'm going to explain a couple of things to you before we get into this passage here. But in when we accept Jesus Christ, there's this thing that's called justification. I'm going to, I'm going to read this, this scripture. Then I'm going to give you my definition. Because my definition is probably a lot easier than this definition. Because I'm not this, that deep there. But it says this. The act of God whereby he declares us to be righteous... That's the sinner who has received the imputed righteousness of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Let me do that one more time. Justification is the act of God whereby he declares us to be righteous, that sinner who has received the imputed righteousness of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Let me explain that in my terms. Basically, here's where we are. Justification, when I accept Jesus Christ, I am a sinner. We're all sinners. We, we come down, however you got saved, you were at home, you were at a friend's house, you were at your office, you were at a church, but you accepted Jesus Christ, you accepted the fact that I'm a sinner, I need a Savior, and I do all these things, so I come before Jesus, and I ask God to forgive me my sins, to wash me all away, or wash those sins away, and, and, and allow me to step into my Christian life, so to speak. That At that moment, we are declared righteous, we are declared pure, we are declared our our inner self our our soul is pure before God I cannot get to heaven with sin so I needed Jesus Christ to come to die on a cross to do that for me and at that point justification this big word I became righteous I became pure I became holy I became worthy to go to heaven in a real layman's kind of term And so, as we go into this this morning, I'm going to read a number of scripture before we get to actually my first point here. But I'm going to explain a little bit into what this justification thing is. In Romans chapter number three, if you got, I think these are all up on the screens there. But in Romans chapter number three, in verse number 24, it says this Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. I was justified through God's grace. Through God's grace was I able to be justified in Jesus Christ. In verse number 26 in that same chapter it says, To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just, and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. In verse number 28 it says, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Again, I can't do these things on my own. I can't get to Christ on my own. I can't do all these things. In, verse number, or in chapter number 5 in Romans, in verse number 9, it says, Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. In 1 Corinthians, we're going to keep going there. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, in verse number 11, it says, And such were some of you, but ye are washed. But ye are sanctified, by ye, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And throughout all these different things, it talks about different things of, of what justification is and how, how exactly this justification comes to play and, and how all this works together. We're justified by grace, we're justified by God. The faith that we have put in Jesus Christ gives us that. We are justified because Jesus Christ shed his blood on a cross. That gives us that. In that 1 Corinthians there, it talks about the sphere of Christ. It talks about Jesus Christ, that ye are um, justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. In James chapter number 2 and verse number 24, and then we'll go into the, the passage here. But it says, ye see then how, by, how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. We have access, we have chosen, when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have chosen all of these things. We have been given this thing of righteousness. We have been given all of these different things. It's not by our works, it's not by any of that, but it's through Jesus Christ. It's through faith. It's through the fact that God would have enough grace to accept a sinner like myself. It's through all of those things. And so as we get into Philippians chapter number 3, and we start diving into some of this passage here, I hope some of this will, will tie it in together, but in Philippians chapter number 3, we'll go there. In verse number 7 is where we'll start this morning, but in chapter number, or Philippians 3 in verse number 7 says this. But what things were gained to me, those I count at loss for Christ." Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Again, last week, when we finished out last week, we talked about, one of the points was at the very end, Paul was the churchgoer of church churchgoers, so to speak. He was the most religious of the religious people. He was high and mighty in the religious world. And so as we come into this verse number 7, it says, But what things were gained to me, those I count at loss for Christ. The first point today is that we would choose to lose. We have to make a conscious decision. When you accepted Jesus Christ, when you got that righteousness, when you took in all of those things we just talked about, we are choosing to lose. Because here in this passage it says in 7, But the things were gained to me, but what things were gained to me? Those I counted loss for Christ. Paul again was, it said he was the Hebrew of Hebrews. And I kind of joked on that last week with the churchgoer of churchgoers or the Baptist of Baptists, so to speak. And then we we use those, that Christian lingo of, you know, how are you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and God's so good and blah, blah, blah. We talk all of those things. But But Paul specifically said all of the things that I was, I counted all of that as loss for Christ's sake. For me, if I want to press on in my life as a Christian, when I accepted Jesus Christ, I accepted a few things. One of which I chose in my life to lose a few things. I chose to reject my own efforts. I chose to lose my pride, so to speak. How many of you and many times in your life through, Christian, through your Christian walk and through different things, pride has come and smacked us in our face and that humility of where God places us. Again, I can't grow in my Christian walk outside of humility. I can't grow knowing Jesus Christ as my Savior and, and continue to step forward day after day after day and, and grow in Christ if I'm not willing to humble myself before Him. If I'm not willing to count the things that I have as lost and to continue to move on. We're all in this room. Everybody has talents. Everybody has gifts. Everybody has a lot of those things. And many of us could go and you can do a lot of things outside of Christ and be very successful. We go outside of these walls. There's very, very, very successful people all throughout this world. But it says there, I count all the all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. When we accepted Jesus Christ, we chose to lose ourselves. We chose to take pride and kind of put it behind us. We chose to take all of those things and we made a choice. We choose consciously to follow God. And following God means that the things that maybe, maybe you were very successful, maybe you still are, but those aren't the things that, that define who you are. The wealth and the, the material things and all the different things that Paul had, all of the righteousness, so to speak, that Paul had in his former life of being a, a Pharisee and of being all those things, were nothing. He had to choose to lose that. When you chose Christ, it cost Again, some of you, I mentioned this in the introduction there, but some of you, when you chose to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you were ridiculed by your family, you were made fun of by a friend. Maybe you were picked on, maybe you were a a teenager in high school and you chose to live a different life than somebody else and they made fun of you because you wanted to live pure or you wouldn't say certain things or you wouldn't go certain places. Maybe at work you don't go to the the work parties and to this party and that party and you don't drink and and you don't do the things that they do at work and you don't participate in the jokes and, and you get made fun of because you chose to do that. Why did Paul choose to lose? To have everything without Christ is to have nothing. To have Christ is to have everything. Let me say that again. To have everything without Christ is to have nothing. To have Christ is to have everything. I think we could go around this room, and I don't know everybody's personal life, and I don't know everybody's makeup of what they make financially and all those things, but for the most part, this room is made up of a whole bunch of just middle-class, hardworking individuals. Nobody in this auditorium is, now I shouldn't say nobody, somebody maybe. But we don't have the multi-millionaires, we don't have all of those different things. And I would go to say that some of you in this room that have accepted Christ and truly are at peace with your relationship with God, have more peace and have more joy and have more comfort than many multimillionaires that are outside of these walls. Why? Because all of that stuff isn't what it's about. Again, Paul said what? That what things were gained to me, those things he counted loss. He said here, or the, the, thought, the, the statement that I just read, to have everything without Christ is to have nothing. To have Christ is to have everything. We watch on TV all the time. The greatest thing to do on, in television nowadays is the entertainment TVs and all the things so we get the scoop on everything that's going on in Hollywood with all the famous people. You know what's incredible to me? All of the famous people that we put out in front of us that we all aspire to be, we all, our kids aspire to be rich and our kids aspire to be movie stars and, and all of these things, but we put it out everywhere. The tabloids and on all the television shows the misery of their life. Why? Because that's not what it's about. To have everything without Christ is to have nothing. And to have Christ is to have everything. As we keep reading that passage, it says, Yea, Dallas, in verse 8, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Again, the things that he gained, the things that he, he earned in his life, he, it says that he count them as dung or as useless, as waste, wasted, just nothing. All of the things prior to Christ, he says... He counted that as useless or as dung. He rejected his own righteousness. I don't know about you. I think all of us have a sense of pride about us because that's just who we are as individuals. But it's hard sometimes to, to shove away our own righteousness. You know the worst thing in Christianity is that I make my righteousness And I compare it to Alan's righteousness. And if I'm doing a little bit better than Alan, then I'm okay. And that's what we do. We compare ourselves to everybody else around us. And we have to make sure that that we're doing okay. Paul said there that he got rid of his own righteousness. That he didn't even look, it wasn't his righteousness, it was Christ's righteousness. He accepted that, he understood the fact that it was about God and Jesus Christ and the righteousness that he gave him through the blood, through grace, through faith, through all those things that we read in Romans not too long ago. In Romans chapter 3 and verse number 10 it says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Paul knew that he had lost something. He chose to lose. In Philippians 3, going back to that passage, it also speaks of knowledge. It speaks that, that Paul knew Christ. In that verse it says, for the, but, but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. And I'm going to go in a little bit deeper into knowledge here in, in a couple minutes. But, but you know, to understand and to accept Jesus Christ We have to understand a few things. There's some knowledge that God gives us. I have to understand and know that I'm a sinner. I have to understand and know that I can't do anything to get myself to heaven. And I have to, before I accept Jesus Christ, I have to come to a couple conclusions in my life. Just like all of you had to do, I had to do myself. We have to come to that spot where we accept the fact that it's not about how good I am. It's about what he did. It's not about my righteousness, it's about him. It's not about me, it's about him. It's not about me, it's about him. In all of the different areas we go over and over and over in our lives, we have to do one thing, we have to realize that it's not my righteousness, it's him. And God gives us that knowledge and the same thing, he gave that to him to know Christ. And it says that he won Christ as well for whom i have suffered the lord for whom i suffered uh, the loss of all things and do count them but dung i that i may win christ you know what happens when we we win christ we accept that gift of eternal life we understand and now we've won christ so to speak and we lose those sins we lose that past all of those things are now taken from us. Our slate is wiped pure. We're clean. We're righteous before an almighty God. And we've won. In Second Corinthians 5.17 it says that we become a, therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I was reading a book here just the other day. And I um, I'm going to probably butcher this thing. But I was reading a book and one of the quotes that it said was, as Christians, or it was talking about a, a, a worm, or actually not a worm, but a caterpillar. I don't know, they're pretty much the same thing to me, but one has fully, or wooly little fuzzes and the other doesn't. But it talks about a caterpillar. And a caterpillar goes about its life crawling, doing its thing. Then a pater- caterpillar goes to sleep and becomes a pretty Butterfly. We're the same thing. We as Christians are the same thing. We were, maybe a dumb analogy, but we were just a little bitty caterpillar just creeping along doing our thing. One day we accepted Christ. Now we are a beautiful creation or a beautiful new creature, so to speak, with wings that we can fly. But yet so many times in our lives as Christians, we choose to stay as caterpillars and creep along. Instead of using the wings that God gave us, so to speak, to fly. We choose to crawl as opposed to fly. But God gave us that. And in verse number 9, as I keep going, And be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And I'm going to go through this pretty quickly here. But righteousness in verse number 9, we have righteousness through Christ or through faith in Christ. In Romans chapter 3, again in verse number 22, I think it should be on the screen, but in 3.22, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. We also have righteousness through God. Again, that righteousness is imputed or given to us positionally. We have righteousness through faith. And then we have righteousness in Christ Jesus. The third point Or the second, is it the third point? I'm sorry, I think I just completely skipped over a point. But the third point this morning is to know. We are choosing to know. And I'm going to spend just a couple minutes talking about knowing Christ. Because here's the thought. In verse number 10 in Philippians 3, it says that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. In verse 11, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. In verse 10, though, it says that I may know him. Here's what we have the opportunity to do. I don't know who your idol or superstar hero would be that you would say, man, I wish I could know that person. I've always grown up and I've, I've, I've always had different people that I looked up to and thought, man, if I could know that person, that would be awesome. I was a huge sports fan, so a number of different things, or different people. But I'll just throw this out as, a, as an illustration. Each and every one of us in this room knows the President of the United States. We know that it's Barack Obama. We know who that is. I would venture to say nobody in this room knows Barack Obama. If you do, that's cool. Most of you in this room, I'm assuming, I'm not talking you got to shake his hand or you saw him at a rally or any of those things. I'm talking you know Barack Obama. We have the opportunity to know Christ. It says there that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. For me to understand who God is, is one thing. For me to have a head knowledge of, yeah, Jesus and God, and I understand kind of the Christian thing of God, and there's a lot of people who get that. But for me to know Him, for me to be able to call Him on the phone, for me to be able to have a lunch with Him, for me to be able to have an intimate relationship with Him is different than having a head knowledge of who Jesus is. I can study Barack Obama, and I could tell you, who he is based on the books that I've read or based on the things that I've been told or based on the news that I've listened to or based on whatever. But I can't tell you who Barack Obama is because I know him as a friend. Many of us, myself included, so many times in our Christian lives, we know God because we've read about Him in a book, but we don't know God because we sat down and had an intimate relationship with Him. We know Him because I grew up in church all my life, but I don't know Him because I sat down over a lunch and really got to know Him. I know Him because of church, but I don't know Him because I put my head on His shoulder and I wept as He consoled me. I know Him, but I don't know Him. Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. You know what's absolutely incredible that blows my mind? The power of the resurrection, the power of God that lifted Jesus Christ out of that tomb, that took him off of that cross, is the same power that it took to take me out of sin. It's the same power that is imputed in me and is given to me as a believer in Jesus Christ. I have the same power that Jesus had as he walked on this earth. Do you know how I tap into that power? Do you know how I get to know that power? Do you know how I can do any of those things? It's me sitting down at lunch with Jesus and getting to know who he is. It's me putting my head on his shoulder and just bawling like a baby as Jesus consoles me and comforts me. Just like we do with our intimate friends and family that we have here. The first person that someone's going to go to, if I said it right now, if, a lost per- if somebody died in your family, the closest person to you died today, you would know off the top of your head exactly who you would go to and you would weep and you would cry and you would mourn with that person. I'm telling you, I know exactly where I would go if that were to happen to me. Exactly where, that, where I'd go. It should be the same thing with Jesus Christ. I should have that relationship with Him. That if something were to happen to my parents, I would ball like a baby with my wife. If something were to happen to my children or my family, I would ball like a baby and I would go to somebody specific. I know who I would go to. Because I know them. Because I've sat down and wept with them. Because I've had intimate moments with them. And so many times we don't know him we don't know the power of his resurrection we don't know the fellowship of his suffering think about that Jesus Christ suffered he understands and he 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 knows my suffering when you go to work tomorrow if this is who you are and you're going to get ridiculed and you're going to get made fun of because you choose to live a different life than your your co-worker he knows that suffering it says in the fellowship of his sufferings Paul was suffering on a daily basis. He was put in prison. He was beaten. He was all of those things. He fellowshiped, it says, with the sufferings. He knows the sufferings that we're going through. To know Him. To know Him. And lastly, in verse number 13, or yes, 13 and 14, is that we would choose... To have ambition. In verse 13 it says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I've always loved this passage of Scripture. I love the idea of moving on. I love the idea of pressing on. I love the idea of having ambition and and being excited about something and going and and gaining a passion and doing all those things. I love that. But it speaks of a couple different things. And one of the things that's so awesome, if you really, we go through this whole passage prior to those verses that are very famous in the Christian world. If you go back all the way through all those things, you understand. In order to press on, guess what? He was telling them to press on. But he was warning them prior to doing that. He was telling them to press on, but he had to remind them of their salvation. He had to remind them of that righteousness. He had to remind them of that power. And then he said, now, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Listen, he hadn't, he, he was, if we have arrived, we have no reason to press on. If you are at the pinnacle of where you can be, there's no reason to press on. You just kind of live the normal life and you keep doing what you're doing. Because the only way that I can press on is if I have somewhere to go. Have you ever met somebody? I was talking to somebody just the other day, talking about work. They kind of came to a place where there's really no more for them to grow. Maybe you've been there at a work position where you're like, I'm doing everything that I can but the guy ahead of me is making the same money I am and I'm actually doing exactly what he's doing, but he's in the position and I'm not in the position and you're kind of stuck. You almost feel like, why am I here? What am I pressing on to? Because the ambition of continually moving is kind of at a standstill. In order for me to continue to press on, there has to be a reason to do it. I have to understand that I haven't got to a place. Paul was telling them that. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Guys, listen, I haven't got to that place yet. I'm continually going. Church, we haven't got to that place yet. We've got to keep on going. In all of our lives as individuals, spiritually speaking, we'll never get to that place. We should always be pressing on. We should always be moving forward. We should always be striving to know Christ better. Perfection in the Christian realm comes when Jesus Christ calls me home and He presents me before His Father. Other than that, the big word of sanctification is kind of our, our realm of living. We were justified one time, sanctification is a process, from the day that you got saved until the day God calls you home, He's creating you and making you perfect as His child. And all of that is, in a, and really in a nutshell, is this verse that we would press on. He hadn't attained that perfection he hadn't became all the things that he felt God had called him to do. He hadn't done all those things. Listen, I'm telling you right now. I'm 32 years old. God is not done working in my life. I'm not finished. I can't stand before you and say, "Church, it's been a great ride," but God has done everything with Aaron Flanagan that He can ever do. And so we're going to keep on going just the way that we're going. It's going to be a good ride. No, I have to keep pressing on. He's not done. He's not done with you or you wouldn't be here. We've got to keep on moving. We've got to keep on pressing. And he says there, to forget those things which are behind and reach forth unto those things which are before us. Church, as a church and as an individual, we've got to keep pressing on. And you want to lose in a race? There's one thing that you do. You keep on looking behind you. This is going to be dumb, but it works out perfectly. If you watched the Denver game yesterday, the most atrocious defensive play you'll probably ever see in your life, the man did one thing. He was going after the ball, and he was running this way. And he gets to a place, and he levels out, and then he starts backpedaling. What does he do when he goes backwards? He fell. The guy behind him scores, and they lose. Now, they didn't lose because of that play, but they lost. Stupid, yes, but in our Christian lives, when we start backpedaling and we start looking backwards, we start thinking, we start doing, if we're not pressing on and we're not moving forward, I'm telling you right now, if the dude would have tackled the receiver, that guy wouldn't have scored. They'd have had a big penalty, but he wouldn't have scored. They'd have had another play. But he was going straight, stopped, and started backpedaling. Maybe dumb, it may not make any sense to some of you. But when we start reaching for, reaching backwards, forgetting those things which are behind. For some of you, that's pre-Christian. Whoever you were before Christ... For others of you, it's what you did yesterday. It's what you did this morning before you got here. It is your life. It's your Christian life, and it's you having to realize that, hey, I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes. I have to keep moving forward. God is righteous. God is holy. God is forgiving. God is loving. God is gracious, and all of those things And where we've messed up, He will forgive us, and we've got to understand that, and we've got to keep moving forward. But so long in our Christian lives and so long in our church, if we want to move forward, we got to forget the things that are the past. Do we forget them and never look at them again? Nope. I think it's very wise that we remember who we were. But we got to forget them. we got to go. I can't sit here today and worry that when I was 25 years old, I messed up royally. I can't do that. I don't think when I was 25 I messed up royally. That was just a random thought. But, but I can't live my life that way. You can't live your life that way. Church, we can't live our lives that way. If you want to focus everything on this church, on what took place three to five years ago, guess what? You're stuck and we're done. We have to continue to press on. Why? Why? Paul said, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. All we have is today. And what we do from here is up to us. I wish I could take to yesterday and go back and redo it. Because there was things yesterday I probably wouldn't have done. You know, there's days when I'm up in the office and I get home and I go and I look and I think to myself, I didn't do anything. Have you ever done that? You got home from work and you really just sat there and go, did I accomplish anything today? And you would go back because then tomorrow your day just got slammed even more because the things you wanted to get done on Monday, you didn't get done on Monday, so now it's Tuesday. Now you've got Monday and Tuesday's work to do. Well, sure, if we could go back, we'd have been a little more productive on Monday. But we can't go back. So I've got to be productive on Tuesday. And I have to make sure that on Tuesday, I get my stuff done today. And then tomorrow, i got to make sure that tomorrow I do my stuff tomorrow. Because on Thursday, I can't go back and fix what I did on Monday or on Tuesday. Why? The only thing that I can do, the only thing that I have is today. Right now. How am I living my life right now? What is my plan for tomorrow? What is my future goals? What am I going to... I've got to press on towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. Listen, God has a call on my life I've got to keep going towards that call. God has a call on your life. It may not be a preacher. It may not be a Sunday school teacher. Maybe you're the best machinist. Maybe you're the best mechanic. Maybe you're the best dentist. I don't know what you are, but you're the best at it and you've got to keep on moving because that's what God has called you to do. And so when you go to work tomorrow, you've got to be the best at that position. That's what we have to do. Otherwise, I'm worried about yesterday. Yesterday. And I'm falling on my face over and over and over again. You want to live a rough life? Always think about what you should have done last year or two years ago or five years ago. That's miserable. I've lived a decent life. I don't have major, 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 major mess ups in my life. Praise the Lord. But I know there's a lot of things within my life that I don't like. And if all I did was focus on those things that I did when I was 15 and 18 and 22 and 25 and 27, that's miserable. If I lived my life today in ministry like I did when, and I worried about what I did when I was 24 my first year in ministry, good night. Go back to the first day on your job. What if you lived every day like that day? Holy cow. Because you were trying to learn or that or you were so excited and you, were, you didn't care who was in your way. That's how I was. I offended a whole lot of people when I came in to be a youth pastor because we are going to save the world. And there was a lot of people that didn't like that I thought we were going to save the world. It's never good as a teacher when you tell a parent, I'm here to be a youth pastor. And this is what I got to do to be the youth pastor. It's Not good. Because their parents wanted them to have a great education. And I wanted to be a great youth pastor. I just happened to have to teach at the school to be the youth pastor. That's offensive to them. (laughs) Well, when I was 24, I really didn't care. Guess what? I'm 32 and I get to stand up here. This is all new to me. Guess what? I'm going to do something like that again. And if I live every day worried about that, and I'm sorry if some of you are going, oh, that's the worst thing you could have ever said. Probably. Apologize. But you know what? If I lived my life worried about that, that's going to be miserable. I would have never made it from 24 to 32 if I worried about messing up when I was 24 years old. Why? Because we learn from those things. We grow from those things. We allow God to perfect us in and through those things. And church, as we wrap up, as we close down, there's been so many different things that we've we've tackled over the last couple weeks, and next week we'll we'll finish out chapter three of Philippians here, but as we wrap this up and as we finish all these things and we, we've talked about the, the trials that come in our lives and the things that, that, that'll stumble us last week, the things that really can attack us from, from really growing and from when we, when we choose that we're going to press on, there's going to be things that are going to cause us to stumble. And this week when we choose to press on, we talked about some different things. We talked about God's righteousness and what He's given to us. We, we talked about there's going to be people that are, that are going to make fun of us. We're going to choose. We, we are going to lose. We have to accept the fact that we've given away the old thing so that we can have Christ. And as a Christian, we have to understand that. But all of those things are the things that allow us to continue to move on it's all of those little things within our lives and I don't know where you are I don't know where you are as an individual I know where we are as a church I understand where we are as a church because this is this is my life and I think most of you understand where we are as a church but here's the reality both church and individual if I want to press on I have to make a decision. I have to choose that I'm willing to lose the life that I once had. I'm willing to choose and understand who God is. And I'm I'm willing to, to live my life and know that God is my righteousness. God is all those things for me. But I have to be willing to do that. Can I ask you this morning? Are you willing? Are you willing as an individual press on. Are you willing to say, God, you brought me through all this stuff, but I cannot live another day worrying about what I did 10 years ago and the mess up that I had. God, I cannot live another day worried about that. I have to move on. I have to trust you. I have to, whatever that would be for you. Maybe this morning was nothing but your understanding, and, and maybe when I mentioned that big word of justification, we don't often talk about those things, and I don't really ever talk about that stuff. But you know what? God did that for me, and God did that for you. Maybe this morning you can sit here and you go, "Man, I'm doing everything I can. I'm pressing on my my Christian life. I feel that we're we're moving in the right place." But I needed a reminder of how good God is in His justification. I need a reminder of the faith and the, the faithfulness that that God is given to me, maybe you need to be reminded that the same power that took Jesus Christ from a grave and from a tomb and brought him back out of life is the same power that we have in us through Christ and through the Holy Spirit. Maybe this morning you don't know the Christ that we're talking about. And this whole idea of justification and this whole idea of being made perfect in eternity in heaven and and all of these things of pressing on, that doesn't make sense to you. And you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe this morning that was for you. But whatever it is, I challenge you this morning. Would you forget those things? Would you press on? Would you remember? Would you choose? To lose? Would you choose to be ambitious? Would you choose to know an almighty God?